The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 25, Of the Church, Paragraph 1. The Catholic, or Universal Church, which is invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one, under Christ the head thereof, and is the spice, the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Welcome to episode 71 of This We Confess, a walk through the Westminster Confession of Faith. We've reached chapter 25, which speaks about the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as Reformed Christians, if we are ever asked what it is we believe about the Church, if we're ever asked about our ecclesiology, that is to say our theology when it comes to the Church of Jesus Christ, Chapter 25 outlines for us what it is that we believe the scriptures teach around the subject of the church. I think it is fair to say that in this day and age, the church is desperately divided in the land in which I find myself in. Every town and village and city in Northern Ireland has multiple churches and indeed multiple church planting movements. Because after all, what Northern Ireland needs more than anything else is more churches that we can add to the already long list of fellowships that call Northern Ireland their home. I don't want to be grumpy about the state of the church in Northern Ireland today, but I do want to underline that if we are going to split, fight, divide, plant, or do any of those things, then we need to realise that the Church of Jesus Christ is not a body that should be trifled with. It is a tragedy when Christians cannot get along And it is a tragedy when the remnant of a church split moves down the street in the very same town and starts a brand new work. My brothers and sisters, we must, I believe, realise that the Church of Jesus Christ is an incredibly significant body. Indeed, it is the body of the Lord himself, and therefore the church should be taken incredibly seriously. The Westminster Divines take six whole paragraphs dealing with the church, And today we will take a look at paragraph 1. The Westminster Divines in that paragraph tell us multiple things about the Church of Jesus Christ which are worth our attention and worth our thought. The first thing we notice is that they call the Church the Catholic or Universal Church. Long ago I recited the Apostles' Creed in one of our fellowships and I was challenged at the door by an individual who couldn't believe that I was pointing him to Rome. But of course that was not what I was doing. Whenever we speak of the Catholic or Universal Church, that's what we're talking about. 
the church worldwide, the church universal. In the same way, if you were to sit at a dinner table and to tell your host that you liked everything they gave you because your tastes were Catholic, you would be telling your host that your taste was universal. It was wide-ranging. And so the first thing we see about the church is its Catholicity. The fact that it is universal, wide-ranging, all across this globe. Although my friend was wrong many years ago when it came to stating our belief in the Holy Catholic Church, he was right in a respect. We are Catholic, but we are not Roman Catholic. The Pope is not the head of the Church, and as Reformed believers, we do not look to the Vatican for leadership or for guidance. We are Catholic and part of the Catholic or Universal Church, but we are not Roman Catholic. As the Westminster Divines continue, they tell us that this Catholic or Universal Church is invisible. Now immediately when you hear that, you might think that it is false. Because after all, when it comes to the Lord's Day, you will go to a church building and meet visible people where you will sing God's praise together. For you and for your experience, the church is altogether visible. It can be seen, it can be touched, it can be joined, or it can be left. The church is visible. And indeed, that is absolutely true, and we will deal with it further in a later episode. But here in paragraph 1, we hear the truth that the Catholic or universal church is an invisible body. To help us understand that, the Westminster Divines tell us that the membership of this invisible church consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one. And so while you can go down the street and look at the church building of your local fellowship with ease, you cannot see the true number of the invisible church. It is made up of the elect in every age, and all of those Christians who have already gone to glory are part of the invisible church. All of those who received Christ by faith in the Old Testament, all of those who received him by faith in the New, and all of those who have received Christ by faith since that are part of the invisible church. Today those Christians who have already gone to heaven sing the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have not revoked their church membership. You and I cannot see them, but they are there. They exist. They are kept by the Lord Jesus Christ until the day of his return. They are part of the church, even though today we have to admit that they are invisible. But not only that, as you and I sit here in 2021, we do not know when the Lord will return. But with confidence we can say that even if this was to be our final day, we know that in generations ahead of us that we would not be around to see, the gospel would still be preached, the Spirit would still work, and many would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And so the invisible church is made up of those who have been saved. It is made up of those who have long gone to glory. It is made up of those who in the world today trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. And it is made up of those as yet unborn, men and women whose lives are yet to begin, but who at some point in the future will be called to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. With our limited minds, we cannot grasp the size and scale of the Catholic invisible church, and none of us with our own eyes can see it in front of us today. 
But it is there because we as Reformed Christians believe in the Catholic or universal church, which is invisible, made up of every Christian from every age that has gone and every age still to come. And as the divines continue, they tell us that all of these men and women who have been saved or will be saved are gathered up into the one body. There are not multiple churches and there are not multiple plans of salvation. I know that there are many who think that there will be another path for the Jews to be saved and therefore there is a path that involves Jesus for you and I Gentiles. But brothers and sisters, there is only one gospel. It is a gospel of grace that says Christ Jesus died for sinners and we respond to this gospel in repentance and faith. If anyone is ever to be saved, it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that is true for both the Jew and the Gentile. And so whoever has been saved has been brought into membership of the one Catholic universal church, which is invisible, the one olive tree of the Lord, the one bride of Christ. Every Christian is part of the one body. Paul speaks of these things in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians 1 and verse 10, he speaks of a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth, the church. And so how will sinful humanity be united to Christ in the body of the church? And in Ephesians 1 and verse 22 to 23, we read this. He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so while the church in this day and age looks hopelessly divided, the invisible church gives us hope that there is a unity underneath the chaos that you and I see in our towns and villages. There is one church. She is invisible and Christ himself is the head. Today we do not recognize Queen Elizabeth II as the head of the church, nor do we recognize the Pope in Rome as the head of the church. As Reformed Christians, we confess that Jesus Christ is the sole king and head of the church. Paul explains it this way in Ephesians 5 and verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its saviour. And in Colossians 1 and verse 18, Paul says, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And so, brothers and sisters, the invisible Catholic church only has Jesus Christ as its head. How could any other person be the head of the church? No pope in Rome has been able to lay down his life for the sins of his people. And no earthly king or queen on a throne was with their obedience able to pay the price for the fall of sinful humanity. Only Christ Jesus is king. Only Christ Jesus is the begotten Son of God. And only Jesus Christ can rightly be said to be the king and head of the church. Anyone else who claims such a title for himself or herself needs to seriously step back and consider what it is that they are laying claim of. Jesus is the head of the church, and it is Jesus who subdues us and gathers us to himself. It is Jesus that makes us members of his bride, the church. 
It is Christ and Christ alone who rules over us by his word and spirit. And it is Jesus who one day will return and every eye will see him and every one will stand before him. But it is only the church of Jesus Christ that will be welcomed into heaven. As paragraph one comes to a close, the Westminster Divines give us some images which are helpful to understand the relationship between the invisible church and Christ the head. We read as the paragraph closes that the church is the spouse. In Ephesians 5 and verse 32, Paul relates the gift of marriage to Christ and his church. He writes, This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And so when we speak of the church and we speak of Jesus, it is appropriate that we use the language of a husband and wife. The church is the bride of Christ, and the church is the bride for whom Christ died. So just as a husband rules over and loves and cares for his wife, and just as the wife will submit and honour her husband, here is the relationship between Christ and the church. Not only that, the Westminster Divines tell us that the church is the body of Christ. And we've already touched on this. Jesus is the head and the church is the body. We see here the interconnectedness of Christ and his church. We can do nothing without him. We do not exist without him. We need him for every single decision, whether large or small. The church belongs to Jesus. He is the head and we, the church, is his body. And as this paragraph closes, the divines write that the church is the fullness of him that fills all in all. I hope you paused at this point to wonder what it is that the Westminster divines are talking about. They seem to suggest here that there is something lacking in Christ, something that needs to be filled up in Jesus, and that lack is met by the church. Maybe that modern song that says God did not want heaven without us, Perhaps that was true after all. That's not what the divines mean. We do not fill any lack in the Lord. But we must say with Paul in Ephesians 1 and verse 23 that the church is Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. As we ponder these things, Chad Van Dixhorn is very, very helpful. He says, What is a king without his kingdom? What is a head without a body? What is a mediator without all his people? There is a very real sense, says Chad Van Dixhorn, in which the church is the fullness of the one who in himself fills all in all. So the church does not meet a need or a lack in the Lord Jesus Christ. But as Christ is our king, we are his kingdom. As Jesus is the head, we are his body. And as Jesus is the only mediator between God and man, we are his people. And so it is right and good and proper to say that the church is the fullness of him that fills all in all. Brothers and sisters, as we close today, I hope immediately you see that even in one short paragraph, that the Westminster Divines take the church of Jesus Christ incredibly seriously. They have six paragraphs and we will look at every single one of them as we seek to develop a reformed ecclesiology or reformed thinking on what the church is. But today I will leave you with just a simple reminder that the church is not this mundane, boring, dull body that can be treated however we want in this day and age. 
but instead the church is Catholic. It is invisible. It consists of the whole number of the elect people of God from every age. And the church is the body and Christ is the head. Therefore, the next time you take your place in your local fellowship, in the body that you call your church, take such a meeting seriously. Rejoice in it, delight in it, and be thankful for the truth that Jesus Christ died for the church. As always today, here are some questions for you to consider. Question 1. What do we mean when we speak about ecclesiology? Question 2. When we say together the Apostles' Creed, we confess that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Why is this an entirely uncontroversial statement for a Reformed Christian to make? Question 3. The Westminster Divines tell us that the Church of Jesus Christ is invisible. Who then makes up its membership according to paragraph 1? Question 4. Why can a king or queen or a pope in Rome never be considered the head of the church? And question 5. What are some of the ways that the scriptures speak of the relationship between Christ and his church? That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until next time, this we confess. Thank you.